Hey, Cornerstone. Wow, you guys, man, you guys are just like off the hook excited. Want to give a big shout out to all those that are at the Santan campus uh, watching this service with us, those that are going to be watching it uh, online later on, and then some of you that are sitting back in overflow right now. Thank you for doing that. And I just want to say out loud, if you come and you find yourself over and over getting put back in overflow, you realize the next service after this 11.50 actually has some open chairs and there's some room for you to get there, and the 5 o'clock service has some chairs, and you don't have to fight the traffic and the crowds and, and you know, push little old ladies over to get your chair. You can, you can actually be a gentleman or a lady and go to the other services, and lots of room uh, for you to do that. We are uh, in the middle of a series called Carols, and if you haven't caught on yet, we're pretty excited about Christmas right now and everything that's unrolling and coming, and uh, we decided to kind of move into this, uh, going back and just looking at some of the carols that have been written, because you realize that many of the carols actually have biblical roots and biblical messages within them, and so we thought, hey, we'll unpack a few of those uh, today. Today, uh, one of the things I think we're going to get some help with is simply this. My guess, my guess in this room is that some of us would say, Lynn, I was moving along so well in my Christian life. I mean, I was making progress like you wouldn't believe, but I, I just feel stalled right now. It's, it's like I haven't experienced any real movement in my walk uh, with Jesus in a while, and I, I'm just not even necessarily sure why I'm stuck, where I'm stuck, but I'm stuck. Now, here's the deal. Sometimes, sometimes you and I get into what feels like a stalled moment, a wait-and-see moment, because God puts us there. And He simply says, look, this next lesson, the next thing I'm going to do for you, this isn't, this isn't a quick study pop quiz kind of a thing. This thing needs to go deep within you. And so I have, with intentionality, I've slowed you down, and I, and I need your attention right now because this is a major life lesson, and we're going to do this slowly together. Sometimes it's all about God kind of putting our life in slow motion. But sometimes, sometimes being stalled is more about us. That you and I have come to a moment in our lives, and the next thing that God was doing suddenly looked too big. The, the next thing that God was asking you and I to tackle in our Christian walk, and we went, oh my goodness, there's just, there's just no way. I, I can't possibly do that. And we are the ones that called the spiritual time out, and we've been stuck there for an extended period of time. And what you and I are going to discover today is that the only way this changes, the only way you and I begin to start moving forward in our walk with Jesus Christ is going to be a matter of faith. Hence the carol that we're doing today, O come all ye faithful. Now here's the thing. Sometimes I think you and I have got this total misconception about faithfulness because we think that faithfulness means, look, no matter how bad things get, you just kind of hang on by your fingertips and you endure it, and that's faithfulness. 
But that's really not the essence of what it means to be faithful. Matter of fact, faithful means, ready, full of faith. And it simply means this, that whatever the circumstance I'm facing, whatever that moment is in my life, whatever that thing, ready, that would get me stalled and stop me in my spiritual tracks, that my faith is bigger than any of my objections. My faith is bigger than any of my fears. And it's faith that causes me or gives me the ability to move forward in that moment and get out of my stall in my Christian walk. And a matter of fact, today I want us to take a moment and look at a guy in Scripture who I believe demonstrates that type of faith, and his name is Joseph, uh, the husband of Mary. And I know what you're thinking, you're going, well, wait a minute, what's that guy got, like two verses in the Bible? I mean, how, how does he end up being an example? And I'm going to suggest the very fact that he tackles, you ready? That he tackles being the stepfather of God, that God invites this guy, Joseph, average Joseph, into the, one of the most amazing stories of all time. And the fact that Joseph doesn't come up with a hundred excuses, the fact that Joseph doesn't flinch when God invites him into something amazing is an incredible demonstration of faith. Think about this for a second. Remember when God calls Moses. And Moses has a thousand excuses. Moses goes, oh, but God, wait a minute. I, you, I, I just am not qualified. I, Pharaoh is already angry at me, man. If you send me back to Pharaoh's court, he'll, he'll probably throw me in jail. God, I, I've got a speech impediment. I, there's, just, there's just no way I can possibly do this. And my suggestion is simply this. The very fact that Joseph doesn't go through that type of wrestle with God that he doesn't, you ready? That he doesn't experience a pause when God gives him the opportunity is a demonstration of faith. So let's do this. Let's grab our Bibles and let's just see, let's just see if in any way this is helpful for some of us. Because here's the deal. Even if you would say today, Lynn, I'm not in a pause, I'm moving forward. I guarantee you there will be a moment in your life when your spiritual walk will come to a stop, and the issue very well may be this very issue. What am I by faith going to do with the thing that God has just asked of me that seems so ridiculous, seems so big, I can't possibly obey? And will you and I in that moment have enough faith to say, my trust in God, my faith in God is bigger than the objections of my heart? So here we go. It's Matthew chapter 1. So grab your Bibles. Let's go there. If you're not familiar this morning, Matthew's actually the first book of what we call the New Testament. You can get there by going to the back of your Bible and working to the left. You're going to run into this book of Matthew. If you get into books with a bunch of really strange names, you've gone too far, come back to Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Let me uh, read this for you. Uh, here's what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together physically, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, so you get this, this guy is already living for God before the call comes. See, this guy is already doing what he ought to do. He's already living the right type of life. 
See, often, sometimes the reason God doesn't speak into us is because we're not even ready to hear the conversation. Because we're not living the way we ought to be living up until that moment. But Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in his mind to divorce her quietly. Now, now get the moment. Joseph is engaged uh, to Mary. And, and within the culture, when you were engaged, it was as good as being married, just not with the fringe benefits. You're going to get that after a while. The reason you're not is, is because we do this backward. We do the fringe benefits and then we get married. And, and, and Joseph is engaged and within the eyes of everybody within that community, they're married. They just haven't consummated the marriage yet. And so here comes the moment and all of a sudden, here is Mary and she's with child. And get it, Joseph's mind goes exactly where your mind would go. It went where everybody else's mind goes. Because this is pretty simple. This is not hard to figure out. If Mary is pregnant, there's, there's very few options of how that happens. And so he goes, it's pretty obvious. She's been unfaithful to me. And because in his heart he... He can't quite move forward and go, look, I'm going to marry a gal who's gone and been with somebody. But he decides to divorce her quietly. You realize within the culture, he could have had her stoned for adultery. And instead, in grace and mercy, he says, well, you know, here's what I'm going to do. We're just going to have a quiet divorce. No one else will ever marry this girl, but that, that's how we're going to handle it. Back to the passage. Verse 19 again, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, so he's already come to his conclusion, this is how we're going to handle it. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of God, do not be afraid to, marry, to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And from what we can tell, Joseph's response is, oh, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. You moved all the way from this woman's head adult. I mean, that's the only logical conclusion to come to. And you're all the way at, okay, how did you do that, Joseph? And here's, you ready for his answer? Because God said so. Because God said, hey, this is different than you think. This is not what you've imagined, Joseph. This isn't, this isn't the conclusion that everybody else is coming to. It's different because I'm in the middle of this. And Joseph goes, well, I guess if God said it, then it must be true. So I'll believe it. Now, guys, this is critical. Because here's what I promise you. I promise you there will be a hundred times in your walk with Jesus Christ where what God will say to you, whether you're sitting in a, in a sermon like this and all of a sudden you're hearing the pastor say, look, 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 look. If you really want to learn to live, you're going to have to learn to die to yourself. If you want to lead, you're going to have to become the servant. And I'm just telling you, anybody in this room with an ounce of leadership goes, What? If you give, it will be given to you. Now, tell, tell me that that makes sense in any human way. 
And I'm just promising you, if, if you follow Jesus, there's going to be a hundred times that what the Bible says, what you find God saying to your heart when you're in prayer and having devotions with him, and you're going to go, whoa, whoa, this doesn't line up with anything that makes sense to this world. It's not logical to me. And the amount of time it, get, it takes for you to get from what? To God said it, it must be true, is going to determine how long you stay stalled. See, that's, that's exactly why some of us are stuck, exactly where we're stuck, because we went, oh, oh, hey, what not? There's, there's nothing in my life, there's nothing in my experience that tells me that what God just asked me to do and what God just commanded makes any sense. And we're stuck. Now, guys, here's, here's what you need to get. I'm not asking you right now to commit intellectual suicide. I'm not asking you to say, hey, look, here's the Christian walk. You're just going to take, like, thousands of blind leaps of faith. That's not what I'm telling you. That's not what I'm saying. Matter of fact, faith is more like a muscle. Faith is something that as you experience God, as you obey Him in the things that are hard to obey, and then find Him to be faithful in that moment that was confusing, and, and your mind and heart weren't sure, all of a sudden your faith gets stronger. It's like a muscle that has to be developed. Think about, think about this for a second. Remember we mentioned Moses, and here's Moses at the burning bush, and you can tell he's got a crisis of faith. He's sitting there going, God, look, you're sending me to Pharaoh. He's a big, powerful guy. He's probably going to throw me in jail. I've got a speech impediment. I don't think I can do it. But fast forward in the story of Moses, and now he's standing at the Red Sea, and now the armies of Pharaoh are coming with their chariots and their horses and all of their armor and all of their weapons. And the children of Israel are standing there. And in that moment, they've got little farming implements in their hand. And Moses goes to God and says, God, what do we do next? And God says, okay, so here's the plan, Moses. Hold up a stick. And you get in that moment, Moses doesn't pause. What happened to the guy with all the excuses at the burning bush? Well, why does Moses in that moment, with, when circumstances are a hundred times worse, go, oh, okay, hold up a stick, I'll just try that? Because between the burning bush and the Red Sea, Moses has experienced God a hundred times. And his faith has grown. Guys, this isn't blind, take your head off. This is trusting God enough for him to teach you to be stronger in your faith. Let me see if this helps. I got a friend, and uh, he is a pastor, and he got, he got called to pastor a church up in Minnesota. And so he moves up there. It's, uh, it's basically dead of winter. And uh, after he's been in the congregation for a couple of weeks, the men of the congregation say, hey, uh, Monday's a holiday, and uh, a bunch of us men from the church, we're going to go out, and we're going to go ice fishing. And we thought you, you might want to come along and go ice fishing with us. To which he thinks for a moment, and then he goes, well, you know, probably be a good bonding moment with the men of the church. And so he says, well, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll go ice fishing. So the guy gives him directions, tells him exactly how to get to the lake, tells him about this little kind of uh, shack thing that's out on the lake uh, sitting there, and uh, says, hey, we'll meet you there in the morning. So sure enough, my friend drives out to the lake, gets there. No one else is there. But he looks out in the middle of the lake, and there's the shack exactly like the guy described. He knows he's in the right place. 
So he's thinking to himself, well, maybe the guys are already out, you know, in the shack. And so now he's going to make his way out across the frozen lake to the shack. And he gets to the edge, and he's thinking to himself, this is, this is pretty stupid. I'm, I'm getting ready to walk on ice out to a shack in the middle of a lake, which you probably shouldn't do. And so as he gets there, he, he puts his first foot down, and he hears horrible sounds. And he's thinking to himself, is that just the snow crunching under my feet? Is that the ice giving way? You know, what is that? And so now he's, he's tiptoeing out onto the, the ice, each step taking just trepidation in his, in his heart. And then, and then he... The next step. And in all the time in his mind, he's coming up with plans. What's he going to do if the ice breaks? And he's got this idea that the second he feels it kind of like going out from under, he's going to leap backwards onto the more solid ice. He's 20 plus minutes into getting out to the little shack in the middle of the lake. He's about halfway there when all of a sudden he hears, looks over his shoulder. Here come the rest of the guys in a four wheel drive pickup. The ice was two feet thick. There was, there was no chance in the world he's fallen through the ice. Why didn't he know that? Because he's never been in Minnesota in the wintertime. Guess why you don't know that God will take care of you? Because you've never been ice fishing with God. You've never gone out. And why did the other guys know? Why did they know they could drive a truck on the lake? Because they grew up in Minnesota. And they've driven out there a hundred times. See, here's the deal. Look, some of us in the room, you're a baby Christian, you're a young Christian, and, and you just don't have the experience with God yet. And look, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay if you're tiptoeing through your faith. It's, it's okay if your heart is pounding in your legs. It's okay. Looks a little silly, because God is way thicker, way bigger, and the God of this universe is not going to let you fall through. But guys, there's some of us in this room, and you've been a Christian long enough, and you ought to be four-wheeling by now. And Joseph simply comes to the moment and he says, look, I know what circumstances look like. I know what everybody's thinking. I know what public opinion is. I know what all the fears of my heart are. But if God said it, well, then it must be true. It's how he moves so quickly forward. Back to the passage. Starting in verse 20 again. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife because she is conceived and her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now look, here's the deal. I'm just, if I'm Joseph at this point, I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. there's a lot of detail missing here. We're going from baby in a manger to save the world from their sins. I mean, oh, oh there's, there's just a couple questions. Do you potty train God? 
Are we talking diapers, no diapers, pampers? I, do you spank the Son of God? I'm just asking, do you spank the Son of God? And if you do, what happens? I'm just asking. Because here's the deal, God. I mean, there's, just, there's a lot of room between baby and a manger, Savior of the world. That's just a lot of room in there. And if you could simply just stop and explain a couple of the in-between steps, I'd feel a lot more comfort. I'd feel a lot better about where we're going. You know this is true, right? Because you and I have had exactly that conversation with our Lord. We've said, God, no, 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 I, I, I get what you're asking me to do, but I'm just telling you, it, I, there's, a, there's a huge gap here because I get, I get no, I get it. I get, I get that you said to me, that's, that's where you're trying to take my life. That's, that's where we're going. I, I, I'm just telling you, there's, there's, there just seem to be a lot of missing steps. And so here's what was happening in our life. See, you and I, we were cruising along following God. See, you, you, and I, you and I were making like tons of… Pro we were just… Man, we were moving forward in this walk, and then we got to that one. We got, we got to that thing, and we went, oh, what? no, whoa. See, this one's like, this one's like, I wasn't expecting… Or if we were going to do that, I thought we would do this one way later than now. And so we just called a timeout on God. We said, look, here's the deal. If you could just explain how this is helpful and how this actually gets me there, and then if I could review the plan, I'd feel a lot better about this. You get that God doesn't ever tell us the plan. He always leaves it a little sketchy. Because, because you ready for this? Because if he didn't, it wouldn't require faith. And furthermore, if he told us the plan, you know what chances are? Chances are you and I would be so terrified we'd veto the plan. We'd go, whoa, God, wait, wait, wait. You're going to wait that long to show up? You're going to wait that long before I find my husband? Whoa, 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 my finances are going to get that far before you bail Whoa. And we'd veto the plan. And so God says, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just going to tell you next. I'm going to say, look, that's the habit we're working on right now. That's the place of surrender I'm asking you for. I'm asking you to serve. You've never served. That's what I'm asking you to do. And I, I just need you by faith to get past your objections and move to the next place. That's what I need you to do. And when you do that, then I'll happily. But the truth is, I'm not telling you this one. This one's even scarier than the last. And so you and I get stuck. And you know what we do next, right? We start taking our own steps. And we go, you know, God, I mean, you know, if you're just going to be honorary enough and you're not going to reveal yourself and stuff, I, I'm, I got, I'm not going to just sit here forever. I'm going to go here. And I think I'm going to date him. And I think I'm going to buy that. And you and I do our own plan. You, you get that this involves a lot of pain. You, you get that this never turns out good. And think how hard it is to take that step when you're all the way over here. And for some of us in the room who just have to be honest and say, you know, I did. I, I got to there, and I, I just did a huge timeout on God. I went, God, I, I can't. See, I was... 
I was the gal, and I, I knew that God was saying, hey, you can't date guys who don't know my Jesus. And I, and I just said, God, what, what, no, wait a minute, wait. If you would just explain to me how and when you're going to bring me the right guy. But right, it took me six months to find this guy. And why would I give up this loser until I at least had another one in the bag? <laughs> See, God, here's the deal. You're asking me to give, and I mean, I'm just going to tell you my bills are all the way up to here. I mean, if, if you could just explain to me how you're going to provide for my needs if I give, well, then I would consider doing that. But God, I, it just, just doesn't make sense from here. God, you're, you're calling me to ministry. I'm like, are you kidding me? Do I have to wear affliction shirts like Pastor Lynn if I could do that? I mean, could you just explain <laughs> what is it really going to cost me? And you and I have spent our life laying down the… And, and you realize the only way to do this is that you and I have to go through the pain of literally undoing… <laughs> so that we can bring ourselves back to this moment and remake the decision. You know the other reason that God doesn't tell us what he's planning for us to do ahead of time? It's because even if you and I said yes, it still make us God. Because if you and I have the right to look at the God of the universe and say, look, 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 submit your plans, I'll tell you what I think about them, and then I will either approve or deny your plans, then tell me in that moment who's God. And I'm just telling you, God's plans are not up for review. It's why He will always come to you and me and say, look… <laughs> this is going to take some trust and faith. And the only thing you can do to move forward from here is surrender the right of review and do the thing you already know. And guys, I, I don't know what that thing is in your life. I don't know if it's a habit. I don't know if it's serving for the church in the first time. I don't know if it's forgiving somebody who's wounded you. But here's what I… Chances are you know. It's that thing that you've been saying to God. Chances are you know. And the only way to move forward is to surrender the right of review. You realize in this moment when God comes to Joseph and says, Joseph, I got this amazing plan. I'm inviting you to be in it. And I'm just going to tell you how it begins and I'm going to tell you how it ends. I'm not going to tell you anything in between. And Joseph said, let's do it. He surrenders the right of review. Back to the passage. Starting in verse 22. All this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, you ready? He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. You, you, get, you get that none of this works, none of this matters. 
if he doesn't do what God has asked him to do. There's got to be a place in my faith that it's more than me just saying, look, I believe God's got a plan, and I believe somehow he's going to rescue the… I, I believe that, but there's got to be a moment where you actually do something about what you believe. You've got to actually put your actions where your mouth is. This isn't a mental ascent. This is a life of obedience. Matter of fact, Scripture says this. You ready for this? Faith without works is worthless. It's dead. And if you and I do nothing more than sit in church every Sunday and tell people that we believe in Jesus and we can't move past our hesitations, if we don't have enough faith to keep going, then it's dead. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles. Go with me really quickly to the book of James because it says exactly this. And if you've closed your Bibles, you can just open them and work from the back to the left a little bit. If you're still open, you're going to head toward the back. It's almost at the end, but you're going to want to see this. It's James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 14. Here's what it says. You ready? Faith without works is dead. Here it goes. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? I believe, I believe, I believe. I'm just not doing anything with my belief. Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good was it? In the same way, faith by itself that is not accompanied by, next word, action is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You get what he just said? He says, look, look, look. Believing is not enough. You say you believe in God. Well, the demons even believe in God. Did you know that there's not one atheist demon? There's not. They all know, man, God is real. There is not one demonic agnostic. There's not one. But simply believing that God is there and believing that He's true and doesn't do any good. You've got to put faith in it. You've got to do something with it. And demons never have. Faith without works is dead. And you standing here and saying, God, I, man, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, you'll be stuck until you put some feet. Let me see if this helps. I need a volunteer real quick. A courageous volunteer. <laughs> Come on, I need a courageous, is that a volunteer, right? Yep, no? All right. Do you have pants on? Okay, all right. Okay, that'll help. That'll help. You know, this is a pants-only experience here. Yeah, here we go. Okay, in case they couldn't tell by the hesitation, I did not ask you to do this, did I? Okay, all right. Yeah, come on up here. Yeah, here we go. There you go. Okay, all right, come over here. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, this involves a rope. Okay, so here's what you need to know. This rope, okay, 
This rope is rated at 4,000 pounds. Okay, all right. So we've got some margin. All right. Uh, here's my, do you believe that this rope could hold you? Well, yeah. Okay, all right. So here's what you need, here's what you need to know. That's great that you believe, but your belief doesn't have any validity until there's action. So we're going to allow you the opportunity to have action. Okay? All right. So they're going to help you. Okay, some of you guys don't know this, but years ago I was a youth pastor. And uh, we would take uh, students out in the woods and uh, we would give them a faith experience. Can you move the table there? There you go. And part of this faith experience, we would take them rock climbing and then when you get to the top of the mountain, which by the way was almost vertical straight up and down, then you have to belay them down. You have to repel them back down the other side of the mountain. Okay, all right. I'm going to turn this way because there's nothing pleasant about what's going to happen right now. All right, so here's what you do. You take them to, you take them. You will not forget this illustration, that's all I'm saying. So you take, we take students to the top of the mountain, you say, look, here's the deal, faith without works is dead. And you may say, I believe that rope will hold me, but until you trust the rope, you haven't really had faith yet. And we take them over the edge of a 100-foot cliff, and we'd repel the students down, okay? Yeah, I trust you, fine. I am, I am perfectly good, uh, because you're the one that's going to fall, not me. Okay, so here's what you get to do. Uh, if you would crawl up on top of the thing. Yeah, yeah, just right up there. I'm serious. I'm totally serious. Here, I'll help you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. So there you go. All right. Okay. Yeah, shirt down. This is a shirt down moment. Okay, okay. So here's what you need to do. Okay. Yeah, I need you to stand. Okay, so what you're going to do here is actually very, very simple. Uh, you're going to face me, okay? And then you're going to back up to the edge of the box. You're going to hang your heels off the box and be on the box just with your toes, okay? And now you're going to teach us all about faith because you're going to lean back. No. No, that would not be good. Okay, so you're going to lean back more. 
Lean back more. No, no, keep your feet there. Lean back more. Lean back more. Lean back more. Whoa, don't swing. Go back where you belong. Okay, stick your feet. Yeah, put your feet yeah, right there. There you go. There you, okay, all right. Okay, you ready? And now stand your hands straight out. There you go. Now that's faith, right? Okay, so you can walk down the boxes now. Ooh, oh, <laughs> there you go. Very cool. What if, what if you and I had enough faith to lean back on the rope? And I, I'm, just, I'm just believing this, that the God of the universe is strong enough, faithful enough, that you and I are going to be okay. And what would it mean for all of us today who find ourselves stuck to simply go, look, I'm, I'm totally surrendering my right to review. I'm coming back to the moment I said no, and I'm changing my answer. And you ready? Because my faith in you, God, is greater than the objections of my heart. And guys, I don't know what this is. I don't know if this is who you date. I don't know if this, this is a habit in your life that God's been talking to you and you know it. I don't know if this is a place of, I don't know what this is. But what would it mean today if today we got unstuck? We, by faith, took that step forward. For many of us, it would change everything. So here's what I want us to do. I still want us to power our heads. I want to give you a moment or two to go before God. I just want you to say, God, look, I know what that is. I know what it is that you've asked me that it caused my heart to tremble that, that I, I just stopped in my tracks and I said God I, I, can't, I can't do that is, is there a plan B is there some other thing And if I'm honest today I know exactly why I'm stalled and I simply choose today to lean back to say I, I don't understand the plan and I, I'm not sure how this gets me to where I thought I was going but I have more faith in you than I have objections in my heart. And I'm simply today choosing to obey, to move forward with you. Dearest Heavenly Father, we, we simply come to this moment. And God, I, I know that all through this room there are individuals going, this was my message, this was me today. And I, I needed to hear this. God, I just ask that they would have the courage to lean back, to trust your rope, to trust that the God of the universe isn't going to let them down, that you are bigger than any fear, 
There is no circumstance you don't overcome. And by faith, they would choose to follow. God, this we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.